The Old Testament readings recorded in the first book of Kings, chapter 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him, being Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle is from the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter. For Christ has entered not into holy places, but with hand, made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel, as recorded by St. Mark, chapter 12. Glory to you, O Lord. In his teaching, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses 
and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is the epistle from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. I always find the book of Hebrews a little difficult to understand, so I will reread that text in the hopes that we can capture it a little bit anyway. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin, by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Thus far our text. Now, being a father, as many of you are, there have been times in my life that I wished, oh, if I could only go in and sub for one of my children. Like maybe the third or fourth grader struggling with his math and having a test coming up and being all shook up the night before and the morning of Oh, how wonderful it would be if Dad could go in and sit down in his desk and take his test for him. Now, the teacher might seem it a little strange to see all these little heads out there and then this adult in this seat, so that probably wouldn't work. There was another more serious time in my life that I wish very dearly I could have been the substitute. Hardest thing I think I've ever had to do in my life was hand my nine-month-old son into the hands of the anesthesiologist at 9.30 in the morning at Children's Hospital on Mack Avenue, downtown Detroit, knowing that he was going through open-heart surgery. And the surgeon the night before said, I lose one and four of these guys. 
I wanted to be his substitute, but I couldn't do it. Fortunately, the Lord blessed him, and he's still with us, and you know him, my youngest son. Although we can't be subs or substitutes for our children in many of their difficulties of life, there's one who was a substitute for all of us in our most difficult times in life, our Lord Jesus Christ. He became our substitute that we can be spared of the most awful. It's just inexplicable, the suffering that goes on in hell and will go on in hell when a lot of people wind up there. Jesus spared us that suffering by becoming our substitute. And our text before us speaks of that. Jesus is our substitute. And I tried to emphasize it a little bit. In three ways, he became our substitute. He entered into heaven itself. He did it once, and he's going to return again for us. Jesus is our substitute. On the Day of Atonement, some of you are aware of the Day of Atonement, are you? used to be on our calendars. And for any of those who are old enough to remember Sandy Koufax, a great left-handed pitcher for the Brooklyn, well, it was the Brooklyn Dodgers, then they moved to Los Angeles. When I was a boy, Sandy Koufax couldn't pitch at his scheduled time in the World Series because it was the Day of Atonement. And he, being an Orthodox Jew, could not work on that day. Well, it usually falls in September. And this was started, instituted by God himself, of course, when Moses led the people out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And there they are in the desert, at the foot of the mountain, and God is instructing Moses to set up what we call the divine service. You wonder where all this comes from. It comes from your Savior himself, who instructed Moses to do these things. And one of the important things was to build the tabernacle, which was really a tent. Built this tent, and inside the tent was an area called the holiest of holies and no one but no one entered this holy of holies except the high priest and he did it once a year on the day of atonement when he went in and atoned for himself that he could serve God's people and then he atoned for the people and he did this with blood the blood of animals shed. And he took this blood into this place and sprinkled it on the mercy seat 
which was a symbol of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He did this once a year to forgive the sins of Israel and to forgive his own sins first before he could forgive the sins of the church. This is all pointing forward to Holy Week, to when Jesus would go as the high priest himself and offer the sacrifice himself. He was both high priest and sacrifice to appease God's wrath over sin. He did not go into the tabernacle, to the tent. He did not go into the holiest of holies inside of the tent. He actually went right into heaven in the presence of his Father. And there he offered the all-sufficient sacrifice that appeased God's wrath over our rebellion that the Father could declare us to be, as you will remember from two weeks ago, innocent. Because of the shed blood of God's Son himself that appeased God's wrath over our rebellion and he forgave the entire world. Even those who don't believe in him. As Paul says, we were his enemies. And he sent his son to make us his sons through faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And next, he did this once. One time, one sacrifice was all sufficient. He didn't have to keep doing it year after year after year as the high priest had to do in the Old Testament. Every year the high priest did the same ritual, killing of animals, getting the blood, taking it in, making the sacrifice for himself, and then the sacrifice for the people. It had to be repeated over and over and over again. Again, this is all pointing forward to Holy Week. And Christ coming and bearing our sins. And Peter says that he actually took our sins into his body and made them his own as though he did them. So he became responsible for our sins. That's why he suffered. He was suffering what we justly deserve. But his suffering satisfied his father's wrath. And thus, he forgave his creation. But he did it once. Now, unfortunately, 
there are those Christian churches who don't quite understand this. And Martin Luther was one of them. And after he came to the knowledge that we are justified by faith alone, that's it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are forgiven. Everything. It's all washed away. You don't have to do anything. You can't do anything. Jesus did it all. When Luther came to that knowledge, oh, was he ever convicted of his sin. And he said the thing that plagued him the most in his life after that was as a priest he sacrificed the body of Christ again and again and again. That is false theology. Do you have any friends that have died as Roman Catholics and you can go and pay for a mass to be said for them? Don't do it. When I was in Lansing, I had some members who did it, and they knew better. That's false theology. Christ died once for all. He cannot be sacrificed again and again and again by the priest. That is horrible theology. Unfortunately, some of our brothers and sisters are caught up in it, and they don't realize it. You heard me read it twice. I should have driven, drawn a line under it. Okay, it's verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he died once. He cannot be sacrificed again and again and again. And after being offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. You know, the, in Advent, the psalm, uh, what is it, Psalm 121? Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. Look forward with joy the coming of your Savior. We don't have to cower in fear or tremble to think that he's coming again. For he's coming to rescue us. He's coming to save us. He's coming to take us with himself to heaven where we will live in great happiness forever and ever and ever, eternally. That's the only thing Jesus has left to do in his entire ministry is to return and take us with him. Now, there are those who are not going to be going with him. And that is a frightful thing. 
I think now the older I get, the maybe the more I think about it. And I just shudder when I think about what hell is going to, well, it's like, or going to be like. To be eternally separated from God is a frightening thought. But it is obvious in our world a lot of people are going to be separated from God. The world out there is living in awful unbelief. They reject Christ. They reject his forgiveness. They have no clue what awaits them. It's a frightening thought. We all need to do as Jesus said. Repent and believe in the gospel. Each and every day when we arise, a wonderful thought that Luther has given us to make the sign of the Holy Cross and to remember that we are children of God. We have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, at which time he has made us his temple, and he has called us to holy living. To be his children, day in and day out, and eagerly look forward to his return. Jesus became our substitute. He gave his life in our stead one time, and it was all sufficient. And now all that is left in his ministry is to come and take you and me with him to heaven. We pray then, as the scripture teaches us, Lord Jesus Christ, come, come quickly. Amen. Now may the peace that passeth all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.